Hey there, welcome to season four of the Echo Podcast, where I sit down with two guests and we talk out our agreements and disagreements on important questions that young adults face about life, theology, culture, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm excited this week because we have two guests with us. One is a good friend of mine, Caleb Isley. He is the founder of Humans of Adventism. He's involved in several different ministry capacities and currently works with the Oregon Conference doing something similar along those lines for them and working with social media and running their social media presence. And so really excited to have him on in his experience with stories and and really listening to people and embracing um, their experiences and their stories. And also we have Henry Johnson, who's also a good friend of mine. He is the Young Adult Director of the Carolina Conference and is someone who's been in pastoral ministry for several years, has uh, been actually in multiple denominations throughout his life, and so he brings uh, quite a bit of experience and knowledge with him as well. And so I'm really looking forward to um, to you experiencing some of what I get to experience as friends with them and also uh, with Henry as he and I host a separate podcast called A Beautiful Faith. And so excited to hear everything from them today. My name is Ryan Becker. Welcome to Echo. Let's get started. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University. So one of the things, given the platform that I have <laughs> um, in the several different projects that I'm a part of, uh, whether that's news organizations or podcasts, um, one, of the, one of the things that even can happen to me a lot is um, people can think that I've either built a platform or... Um, I care only about criticizing the church on things, right? And there's been a lot of episodes, even of of Echo, where we have criticized the church's failure to do certain things, or you know, we've brought up um, you know certain things that the church could be doing better. And what that sounds like is, okay, well then, if you you know if you're going to criticize it so much, why you know why are you a part of it? Why do you you know why don't you just leave? And and do you you know why if you don't if you don't find anything good here, why would you stay? Um, part of my response to that has always been <laughs> part of that response. Part of that response is like, you don't really praise someone for, you know, getting out of bed or making their bed in the morning. Like there's some of the good things that, that Christianity should be doing that like, it should just be understood that we do that. And I shouldn't need to praise praise for like doing basic kindness or doing something basically right. You know what I mean? Um, but there is... Um, certainly one of the things that can happen, and Henry, you and I personally, I think have, have experienced this, is that when you, when you are, because of, out of care for the church and out of care for the organization you belong to and the faith community you belong to, um, if you are criticizing a lot or, you know, finding things that you disagree with, um, you can grow a health, an unhealthy dose of cynicism and kind of pessimism towards the system as well, because you tend to only see, I tend to be um, someone who does criticize a lot. I, I remember walking out of a Top Golf one night, and there was this giant uh, LED screen. Like I'm talking huge. That thing was probably like 25 feet across and and like 30, 15 feet high. Like the thing was gigantic. And I looked at this thing and I said, "That's cool. Lights out." Like the one bulb next to me was out. It was the first <laughs> thing I noticed. Basically, cool LED screen lights bulbs out. Like I tend to be a critic. That's just it's it's a problem unless someone needs help with their resumes. And so it, it's something that like I have to work on. And so one of the things that I wanted to do on this episode was to give us space um, to have a more co- positive conversation on Seventh-day Adventism in this denomination. And instead of to say, oh, well, we do this wrong or we do this wrong. Or we wish we would do this better. Um, I think it I think this is this is kind of a space for us to celebrate 
um, a little bit more of how we identify and, and who we are and, and the faith community we belong to and, and to remind ourselves of some of the more positive parts of belonging to this faith community and, and talking about why we're even Seventh-day Adventists. And so very much this is about the beauty within Seventh-day Adventism, and um, I'm hoping that we won't do very much criticism, if any at all. That being said, that does not mean we're ignoring very real problems that exist systemically in any denomination, but, you know, in our own as well. That does not mean we're ignoring or just disregarding any of them. What we're saying is, despite those real problems, there's a reason we st- we're still here. Yeah. Right? Those problems aren't enough. They haven't been enough to break the deal to say, I'm out. So, um, I figure it's time. Let's be some, let's do some positive, positive talk here. So, first question, right off the bat. Um, why are you a Seventh-day Adventist? And I don't mean how did you become one, like what was your conversion story? I understand elements of that might play in, but ultimately, like, why are you a Seventh-day Adventist? Yeah, I, I've gone through a lot of time pushing at the underlying principles of Adventism. And even though that puts me at some different conclusions from a lot of people I meet in the Adventist church, what I've found is that the the holistic view of God in life that comes from the Adventist understanding of the Bible is um, is truly beautiful and and I think contributes to a very uh, a, a much more real picture of God than I've found looking mm. at at other systems. Yeah, for me, um, I think. I think just the the way that it informs why I do what I do, how I do what I do, and the fact that it paints the picture of a God that cares about me down to the practical pieces of my life, like my health, mm-hmm. rest, um, community, all of these different things, they're the basis for our doctrine. Um, and and maybe we haven't always handled them right, but, but that core foundation is something that I couldn't get out of my head even uh, during several years where I didn't attend church. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite not being active in the programming, uh, I found those things to be true and to lead to a fulfilling life. Mm. And and for me, uh, that's why I came back. You know, I, I would say I'm still different from the way I was raised, but at the same time, like, there is so much positive that we can take from the Seventh Day Adventist faith, mm. uh, and and I, um, those things are things that I truly want for other people around me. Yeah. Okay, Henry, what about you? I mean, almost to a similar extent. The the reason I'm a Seventh Day Adventist is because its framework is the closest that I've seen, both from a philosophical perspective and from a biblical perspective, of making sense of the world in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, speaking as someone who has been part of another denominational background and other things, uh, and there's nothing necessarily against that, but I've not yet found, and I, and I do preface it this, on paper, mm. a more compelling picture of God and the world around me that just makes sense logically, emotionally, experientially, mm. than, than what is held by the Adventist Church. Very much in the same boat. There really is, with the specific expression of beliefs that I have, there's nowhere to go. Even if I said I wasn't a Seventh-day Adventist, I would still be following Adventist beliefs. Like, even if I refuse to identify with the denomination, I would still technically be a Seventh-day Adventist. 
Um, even if I was willing to say, yeah, I'll go to a church on Sunday, no big deal, whatever, and um, and worship with them, I still run into there. Like, there's one personal block for me, right? And this personal block is different for everyone. It might be a denomination's views on creation versus evolution. It might be um, their views on on the Trinity. It might be their views on whatever, right? It could be any number of doctrines. But for me, one of the big ones is actually the state of the dead. Mm-hmm. Just the shocker of no one in this room. <laughs> um, but for me, one of the one of the hardest things for me to hear when my dad passed away when I was seventeen was people saying, "Well, he's in a better place now," or he's um, or he's looking down on you now and, 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 and watching over you. And I'm like, how sad of a place must heaven be that this was, this was my response, but please understand how, how sad heaven must be that my dad is sitting there up in heaven looking down on us and all we're doing is crying about him being gone and having a hard time moving forward and um, all the tragedies that happened to my family really shortly after that in very quick succession meant that uh, my family technically didn't become super close together. We actually ended up kind of drifting apart a bit. And we've that's been a struggle for us um, since I went off to college, brother pursuing a master's, sister going, um, sister with her marriage, mom end up having to battle cancer um, three times. Like that, it, as much as you want it to draw, like physically I was in another state. There's, But for me, the state of the dead thing is hard. I can't be in a church. I, I can't, I, I, it's not that I can't be in a church, but I can't subscribe to that view because A, it doesn't make sense to be biblically but B, it also doesn't make sense to me emotionally, philosophically, and other like I can't sit there. Like there is no place for me to go because at some point there's something that I just at the core of who I am I disagree with this, and it's for biblical re- it's for reasons from the Bible, and it's for reasons of emotional and personal kind of sus- uh, sustaining. I guess is the word I want. But yeah, so I'm I'm 100 with you. There's nowhere else for me to go. <laughs> What's crazy to me is you know you have people talking about how hard it is to to preach the Adventist message to a secular society. I don't find that to be true. I think it's hard to pre- to preach the angle we've been preaching, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not the not the baseline concepts. Okay, mm-hmm. I think that this this is part of what informs uh, why I'm here is that. Whether I believe in God or not, taking a day every single week to rest and rebuild relationships matters a lot. Like it affects Mm. my life a lot. Uh, Caring about my health and how that affects my mental, physical, spiritual health uh, through what I eat, through my exercise and diet, that matters a lot and makes Mm. my life better regardless of whether I believe in God or not. Um, And and just the concept of a, a God that doesn't hold people in limbo, torturing them for eternity. Um, I, I, I have to be an annihilationist. I'll just say that. I have to believe that there is an end to suffering because to believe in a God of love for me mm. is to reject the idea that a higher power out there just dangles people in pain. And so within Christianity, that limits my options. But I will say for me, Adventism is not the best of bad options, all right? It is a great uh, foundation. It is a great foundation for exploring my life with God. Um, The incarnations of that and the ways it's played out in different communities within Adventism might not be. But that Mm -hmm. baseline, your health Mm -hmm. matters, you matter, God loves you, and he is always out for your good, and he's not going to hurt you forever, Um, 
those concepts are a beautiful picture and one that if I'm going to believe in God as a, a, a system and a power of love, this is the closest to that I can, I can mm-hmm. recognize. Mm-hmm. Now, if there is a God out there that is not a God of love, that only created things, but is not holy love, that's not his state of being, I would rather be loving than serve that God. If that makes sense. If it's only about salvation or hell, I would still rather be a loving person and not reach that kind of like final reward because that's selfishness. If it's about avoiding pain and getting a reward, that's selfishness. It's not about Mm. living for anybody else. I think there's actually a lot of Christians that that misunder that a lot of apologists specifically that misunderstand this when talking with atheists. This is a common thing that I hear from atheists, um, which is like... It's not enough to me that you can prove that God exists. Mm-hmm. You can prove to me that God exists. That does not mean he's a God I actually want to follow. Yep. Yeah, it's like, does if God exists, is that good news? Yeah, mm-hmm. and a lot of news? Christians approach it from the framework it is. Mm-hmm. But I would argue, no, it's not, depending on what kind of God you're, you're pushing. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that was one reason why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist now versus a particular faith persuasion I was then, was particularly actually on, on this issue of hell. Mm-hmm. I came out of a, a very conservative Christian denomination that's big thing is hell. Hmm. <laughs> okay, I, I, and it's sad to say it that way, but if I think about it, you heard about hell just as much as you heard about Jesus. Like They were like the either or, the two yes. hands to, to make. I mean, when I was growing up, they literally spent every Halloween doing something called a hell house. I was in the deep south, and they would literally mm. do that. It was like a haunted house to scare you into heaven. <laughs> wow. I'm not kidding. Like this, wow. I mean, they, they've kind of gone away now, but when I was there, that was literally the thing. The whole church, that was your evangelistic thing. We came together around Halloween, and for three weeks, the whole church was decorated like a haunted house. And you would follow the lives of these two people, and they'd have some accident or something, and one would be a believer in God, so they went to heaven, and the other was hell, and they you scared everybody to death going through it. Oh, and there was Oof. a 10-minute talk at the end, basically, and you give them a pamphlet or whatever, and that was your evangelism. Like, hell was the... Like, this, that sounds was the like, this sounds like the polar opposite of Sunrise at Southern. <laughs> no, it like is. It, it, what, no, I, I mean... Like, that's and, what it sounds like. But it, I know if there's people listening on this that are my age or older, and... They've been around that persuasion. They know what I'm talking about. This used to be common, at least in the mm-hmm. South. I saw them everywhere. Uh, you know, and that, oh, just like that picture of God, just, oh, I mean, yeah. Ugh. But then going into annihilation, one of the big reasons when I went through a period of my life where I was trying to figure out if I even wanted to be a Christian, uh, the, the, those who've heard my story on different things know that. The faith, pro- if I wasn't a biblical Christian, if I wasn't Seventh day Adventist, if I didn't know what I knew, I'd probably be Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why that really appealed to me was how it related to suffering. But the one thing that sold me, and this isn't against Buddhism per se, but the one thing that finally nudged me into like Seventh day Adventism versus Buddhism yeah. was that to me, at least as I understood it, again, I'm going to stress as I understood it, Buddhism was like I could escape suffering, but suffering never disappeared. Mm-hmm. I might be away from suffering, but it still existed somewhere in the corner of the universe, and people were still dealing with it. And one thing I really loved about the Adventist message was a logical, consistent—it just emotionally, 
physically, mentally, all made sense that suffering would be exterminated, mm -hmm. that it would just disappear in every area of your life. This wasn't right. Right. To me, in a sense, one reason why Buddhism appealed to me so much was it just made more sense to me than the traditional Christian explanation, which was almost the same thing. Suffering happens, but I get to go to heaven mm -hmm. and be cursed to all the people still stuck down here dealing with it. It was escapism. Yeah. And I wasn't content with escapism. Yep. I wanted, I was like, no, I don't want an escape. I want it destroyed, mm. right? I, I just want this done with. Um, and so kind of like you were saying, Adventism's message, I think is, I mean, I think it's beautiful because it's not Adventism. So let's just be fair. It's the biblical message. But but Adventism, I, I think, has at its core embraced more of it at the same yeah. time, if that makes sense. Not that, I mean, because we're not new. It's not like all this stuff was hidden and all of a sudden Adventism shows up in the 1840s and ta-da, now we've... Yeah. I don't want to say that Christianity evolved to Adventism. I don't want to. I don't want to go there. Adventism. We stand on the shoulders of the giants that came before us. Mm -hmm. I, Adventism has the message that it does because of Presbyterianism and Anglicanism and, and Roman Catholicism and a lot of these things that were grabbing pieces of the Bible and putting it back together. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think we're the only ones that figured it out. But I, I think as it stands now, we're the only place I know that's put it all in the same spot in the same package. Yeah. And I think the message itself is absolutely gorgeous and very easy for me to talk to with people that aren't yeah. even of my faith. The yep. thing that's the only thing that's hard about Adventism is the cocoon we wrap the message in. Yeah. Yep. The, the Adventist cultural, uh, you know, the, the Adventist cultural cocoon that we hide the message in is usually the thing that ticks yep. me off. Mm -hmm. It's not the message itself, yeah. which is why I'm still here. No, yeah. that's a, if, if, if my faith was about the people, I'd have left a long time ago. Yeah. Me, I'll just be frank. Uh, about that. I have encountered some of the nastiest heck. Okay. I, <laughs> in high school, I went to concerts all the time. I actually became really good friends with my favorite band in high school, took them to Disney one day, uh, went to uh, Animal Kingdom with them and was at shows all the time. I actually broke my rib being dropped while crowd surfing the summer <laughs> after my freshman year of high school um, at Vans Warped Tour in Orlando. And like I was at concerts all the time, both Christian and non-Christian. I encountered far kinder, more gracious, and wonderful people at the non-Christian shows and mm. venues than I did at the Christian ones. At the Christian ones, it was me, 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 I'm going to do this, and I, I will bump you, push you, fight you to get where I want to be and what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, that was a regular... Like I've encountered some of the nastiest people in Christianity. There are also some of the nastiest people outside of Christianity. Don't get me wrong, but in my in my personal experience, like that's been something that's been pretty consistent. The, the bottom line is, like, I believe this stuff. And while I said that, like, State of the Dead is a big thing to me, I believed that before I realized that it was something that I that I really couldn't do without. Mm -hmm. In other words, these aren't things, like, I don't think any of the three of us have come to any belief because we just don't like the other one, and so we prefer this God. It was more, yes, we do have our inclinations, but ultimately we looked at the Bible ourselves, too, and mm -hmm. said, no, this seems to make the most sense and there are things in the Bible that I wrestle with mm -hmm. that I don't fully agree with, but that's the point. If you're supposed to be transformed by a relationship with God, then there should always be something in the Bible and something in our relationship with God that does challenge us, that we do disagree with, and that we do have to wrestle with, and in some cases accept without being able to have an answer right away. That sometimes does happen. Not not all the time, but I think it does happen. Um, I do want to ask this. Uh, what is a part of Adventism that you think gets a bad reputation, a bad rap, uh, with that that is unwarranted. Mm. In other words, that you think, 
I, I like I see why they're saying that, but I, reality I, I don't think is the same, or I you know I don't think that's accurate or an accurate picture of, of Adventism. What do you what what is a piece of Adventism that you think? I think just the list of cultural rules is a big one. I think when people look at Adventism, they're like, this looks like legalism a lot. Mm. They're like, yeah. wow, you guys, you can't work on Saturday. You can't do this. You can't eat pork. You can't do yeah. blah, 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 blah. And we've done that to ourselves. Don't get me wrong. Like how we've approached how these we've topics presented it, yeah. is what people are seeing. They're not seeing a false picture. Yeah. <laughs> they're seeing what we've done with it. But the heart of those things is not legalism. It's like, I, I compare it to the concept of safety, right? Mm. If somebody gives you a list that says, if you touch a hot stove, it will hurt you. Yeah. If you jump out of an airplane or off a high building, it will hurt you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to judge you for it. I'm not going to like harass you about it. But this is what, ha- like these are the things laid out and how you're affected by them, Yep. right? And so for me, I think that those those guidelines are they they are scary and intimidating to people partly because of what we've done with them however when you understand them through the lens of i would like my life to be better mm-hmm. and there's a god that cares about me who's given me some insight into how i'm affected by these things um thank you like <laughs> thank you yeah. for some guidance like yeah. you know i i appreciate that and i think it's beautiful if it's in the context of Hey, we've got some some deeper descriptions of how this stuff works. And take it or leave it, God loves me the same. Yeah. But he's told me how I'm affected if I choose to do things these different ways. And I'd love to avoid some of that pain mm-hmm. if I can. You know, speaking of Adventist culture, I will say this. I and I I bet that all three of us have experienced this, but I think all three of us three of us have experienced an Adventist church potluck or fellowship meal where the quote veggie meat end quote was like suspiciously tasty like i don't i I don't know i don't know there's there's someone here who's breaking a rule and i'm not going to be upset about it someone so that i know it's i know it's happened somewhere yeah uh, you've been to those potlucks where the people are looking at the cheese versus vegan cheese and they're written to judge and the cheese is gone long before the yes the fact that that is a rule is is a sign that we're doing it wrong Right. The yeah. fact that people yeah. are so offended if chicken shows up or if something else yeah. shows up, right? Choose not to eat it. You know, follow your convictions, but don't shame somebody. Like, don't, you know, like make a big fuss about it. Don't make an announcement that somebody's done wrong. Live your life according to your convictions. Yeah. Yeah. But don't project your convictions as rules for others to follow. Yeah. That, that is the really, or, and, and more specifically, don't, don't, uh, project your, preferences yeah as other people's rules and that is something important okay so henry what about you what is a part of adventism that you think is unwarranted well partly i would second it kind of dovetails into what caleb was saying and i think we do deserve the bad rap we've gotten because we've taken abundant life living and made it seem like legalism Mm -hmm. on purpose because we a lot of communities within adventism have turned it into a salvific thing Uh, these things aren't salvific as much as they just make your life better yes Right. I mean, you know, making a joke again about my own background, because as I said, most of my one side of my family is still not Seventh-day Adventist. And so, you know, believe that. I live with people all the time that are not Adventist, don't view it the same way. And so they'll, I always get these phrases from them. It's kind of interesting. It keeps me in check because they'll be like, well, why can't you do this? And why can't you do that? And then, you know, picking on 
grandparents, at times they would go, well, at least we'll die happy. <laughs> you know, usually when we're talking about food or something, you know, yeah. they'll be having the pork chop and they'll be like, well, at least we'll die happy. And I just remember thinking, I've never seen anyone in a hospital chaplain setting that's dying happy from diabetes, <laughs> hypertension, mm. cholesterol, quadruple bypass surgery, mm. amputation, you know, congestive heart failure. Whatever, and I'm not picking on people that are there because I'm not saying some of these things happen not just because of poor choices. I mean, we live in a broken world, so I don't want to become like the Pharisees, like who sinned, him or his parents, that he was born blind, kind of thing. I mean, it, that, that's a different topic for another time. But some of these things just do make your life better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. And I wish, I wish we'd done a better job of people understanding that yeah. what these are there for, not thinking, ah, mm -hmm. oh, you're legalists. Well, we are if we think that's getting us some efficacy with God. Yeah. Right, but no, this is because God loves me, and he's like, here, you can have a better life this way, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. But but along that, one of the biggest things for me that I think gets bad rap that I wish wouldn't is the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And part of that, I think, is because of the way we've treated rules around the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was growing up, they used to have all these rules on top of rules and rules and rules yep. and rules, and we were not very fair, you see. And And... You know, like you couldn't go in the water past your ankle or your yep. knee, or you couldn't do this, you couldn't have fun, or what. And I think there were people that were well-meaning trying to figure out how to do this, but there, there was a lot. The, the Sabbath gets a bad rap, and I think the Sabbath, especially because if you're trying to incorporate it into your life in any sort of serious way, I think it's the first thing people, if you're existing outside of the Adventist bubble, people notice. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because you're not doing certain things Friday night, you're not doing certain things Saturday, and like for me. Sabbath was a huge transition, for example, from the way I even did worship on Sundays. Because mm. the Sabbath is not just the day. If you start incorporating a lot of things about it, it's even different. It's not just a matter of, oh, I go to church on Saturday versus Sunday. If you're living it in any sort of way, and I know there's even variations within Adventism with that, a lot of people will notice it right off the bat. When I went to church on Sunday, you go to Sunday school, you go to church, you were out at noon, so you didn't miss the football game coming on and you could mm -hmm. eat and whatever. And then you went back at six o'clock at night yeah. and had your 40 minutes and you were done. What you did the rest of the day didn't matter. That was up to you. Like I put in my time, I can do the rest. The Sabbath is a totally different, at least for me experience, because now I'm, it's not just the moment I'm in church. It is sundown Friday to sundown. So it's not even a clear day. Yeah. So it's like during the year, it throws people off because it gets darker soon in some places than other, you know, and all this other stuff. So they can never quite put it on a, it's a sliding scale. And then, all right, church is done. Let's go eat or whatever. And I'm not necessarily going out to eat at restaurants and I'm not mm. doing this. And I'm not, it it, it, it throws people off. Like, can you not do anything on this day? Like, you know, people just look at you funny. Like you're in a completely different yeah. universe. And, and I think they just look at it and they go, that's weird. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and I think a lot of that bad rap again is because people have handled it wrong, yeah, or presented why we do what we do wrong. But and I but I really wish we didn't get that bad rap because I think at its heart, if we really understood mm. what the Sabbath was trying to to say, it's a really beautiful thing. Like to to give it one illustration to finish that off, I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day. I was hanging out with a a group of friends that are not Seventh Day Adventists, uh, and we were at an event thing we were doing over a weekend. And they were going to go eat, you know, we were going to go, they were going to go get lunch somewhere. And my personal belief, and I'm not judging people that don't, my personal belief is I, I don't do any sort of buying and selling and, and, and mm. whatever. I, I just don't do that on Sabbath. And so they wanted to go and I was like, no, no, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to hang back. And they were kind of looking at me and they're like, 
Isn't it like restrictive? Like what's your problem? Like what's your, what's the big deal about whatever? Why does that bother you? And so again, this is from my perspective. Yeah. I wasn't gonna, I'm not judging anyone else for this. I, I, I started trying to say what I thought was a really beautiful reason why yeah. I do Sabbath, why I do not, why I do not, not do this. And I was telling him for one, I said, well, for one, and I think this is a resonating message for today. I said, one, it's because I believe in the equality of all people. And they kind of paused and went, wait, what? And I was like, well, this is the one time a week that I get really super yep. intentional about living the way the earth was originally set up. Like, what are you talking about? I said, no one is beneath me and no one is above me and no mm-hmm. one has less or more value by what they have to do or not do for me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my personal belief why I don't go restaurants and stuff, just me personally. Is because I don't want to put my server or anybody in the position that they are now beneath me in some way, or that they're used to me is because of what they do or do not yep. do. I was like, the Sabbath is we're on this day, if nothing else, where I want to make extra efforts. We're all equal. Mm-hmm. You and I have the same value, and you and I have the same rights to certain things. And I was explaining this, and even though that didn't like immediately stop them, they you know they still went out and ate. I will admit they had to sit there and pause and process, and they were like, dude, that's kind of deep. Hmm. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, we're still not sure what we think about that. We still think you're going to starve to death. And I had food. But, you know, and they were kind yeah. of joking with me. You're still going to starve to death, but, okay, we respect that. Yeah. You know, and they and they didn't they didn't leave it thinking I was weird because I'm weird, if you know what yeah. I mean. I was weird because it's not what they would do. I mean, you are weird. Well, I mean, yes, I am, but <laughs> but I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? There's a yeah. weird and there's a weird Yes. Right. There's there's weird where we're just being dumb or people just mm. think that's a miserable way to live life. Yeah. And then there's weird like, well, that's not how I would mm. do it. Yeah. But there is a certain logic to it that is fascinating to me mm-hmm. in a certain way. It's not what I would do, but I get it. I, yeah. I get it. And, and and that's the rap I kind of wish. I, I think mm. the Sabbath is a, is a something that we have very unique yeah. versus any other denominational perspective. I, I, mean, I think only, you know, Jews and Seventh-day Baptists could have any attempt at at bringing that in and i think it's just a really special thing that gets a bad rap that i wish wouldn't there are in my mind there are three great equalizers in specifically in anyone who believes in the sabbath there's two for christians outside of that belief but number one is the sabbath itself that equalizes everyone uh number two is the is creation and obviously these aren't any specific order just i'm just listening the creation itself and number three is the gospel message of jesus dying for everyone's sins and offering forgiveness for them as well, right? Those are the three great equalizers. Mm. And what I love about the Sabbath one is the other two, you just kind of hope that you remember, right? Uh, As you're talking with others and treating others. But the Sabbath gives you a weekly concrete visual reference and uh, a reference point and reminder that this is important. Mm. I'd also argue it embraces the other two. Yeah, it absolutely does. Not only does Sabbath come out of a creation narrative, and what does that say about what God's intent was, but also I love what the Sabbath says from a redemptive standpoint. That was one of the biggest things for me, you can tell I'm passionate about the Sabbath, that the Sabbath really got me versus like Sunday for me personally, was what it said about redemption. And what I mean by that Mm. is just like, how much did humanity contribute to creation? Zero. God provided everything and then some, and then just said, enjoy. Like, Mm, I've given this to you, just let me take care of you. In the same way, what can I contribute from a redemption standpoint? Zero. Okay, while we were still enemies, God came after me, God provided the sacrifice, God lived the Mm -hmm. life, God, he did everything, and he just goes, I just want to give it to you, just rest in this. Mm Mm-hmm. 
just rest in my love. You've already got it. You don't have to earn it. Whatever. And I just loved the concept of this is a weekly reminder. I can just relax. Relax. I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. He's already done it. Mm. Right. You know, this isn't like, at least for me, the way I grew up Sunday was I'm putting in my time to check the box so that God will be happy. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping a commandment. I'm doing whatever. Else. And the Sabbath to me was like the total antithesis of that. Yeah. The Sabbath was like, congratulations, you can stop trying to do it. Yep. You don't have to run yourself ragged, right? I, I, a phrase Adventists would recognize. I, don't, I can finally have rest and not have no rest day or night, mm. right? Trying to save myself, trying to do whatever else. I can just be like, God's like, I got this. Yeah. This is a big warning flag in the middle of your, your, your life every time to be like, I got it. Mm. I got it. I got it. Just... Congrats. Yeah, yeah, and I just, I just find that so freeing. Yeah, just so ah. Uh. I um, I would add the one thing I think gets a bad rep that's unwarranted uh, are actually Advent a lot of Adventist leaders, conference level, mm. union level, division level, and general conference level. Um, a lot of leaders get bad re- get a bad reputation of being non-supportive, non-empowering, non-equipping, etc. Uh, for things that are not actually their fault. Mm. Uh, whether it's policy red tape or, you know, uh, tradition that we haven't really addressed as a church or rules that we just can't get around or um, even limitations of their own political or human capital that they've raised with the, with colleagues and coworkers, right? There's 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 things at play that we don't always understand, and it's a, kind of a door that's been opened to me as I've interacted more with the, with the institution itself over the years. Um, but there's a lot of leaders, a lot of leaders, presidents directors at all levels um and henry i would count you as one of them um currently and uh that are passionate about empowering ministry are passionate about connecting people to jesus uh, connecting their passions to the church and 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 to faith um and a lot of them uh there are some of them that that um either like they can't do it themselves because of the red tape so they're hoping and they're waiting for someone to come along and to say that i'll do it and then they'll throw their support behind them um, or they're saying like, yes, I want to support you. I want to see this happen and I will open every door to do it, but I can't do it unless I know that you want to do it. Mm. Unless this is something that you want to do. And I think leaders get bad, the bad rep when we should be having more conversation about, um, kind of the, the, the system itself versus the pe- versus necessarily some of the people in it. I don't think every leader fits the description I just gave, but I think leaders as a whole get a bad rep for things that in many cases can be out of their control. Mm. Um, and so I wish we would be a little bit more patient with them. And if you are a leader um, that fits that description, I just want to say thank you um, for what you do. And thank you for empowering creatives, empowering young people, empowering people in general and adults um, to really live out their faith. And I just want to thank you for that. Um, but uh, I do want to close on one final question to the both of you. And it is this. Um, where do you get your sense of awe, of joy, or of wonder? in identifying as a Seventh-day Adventist as opposed to any other denomination. For me, um, I will say that my sense of joy or my sense of wonder actually comes um, from seeing, and, and to be fair, this one does kind of extend across denominations, but, I, but here's, here's what I do want to say, uh, is the light bulb moment where someone finally gets the thing that they've been taught their whole life or whatever, but it's, you know, they hear the gospel differently this one time when they've heard it a million times. Um, but what, it, what that light bulb moment does is it completely reinterprets all of the things that they like the Sabbath, 
it, that that light bulb moment completely reinterprets how they view the Sabbath. It reinterprets everything, and seeing that transformation process that leads them to the abundant life that that we have talked about earlier. That for me, that reinspires the joy, the awe, the wonder that I have for this belief system and this faith community, uh, because it's evidence that this is to me that it's it's evidence of. I'm on the right track here, and I'm not wrong. This isn't something I'm just projecting on myself that I think is an abundant life, or uh, I'm projecting on others, but it is something that actually is beneficial and abundant for them as well. That That is what does it for me. Those are the moments that I that I crave and look for. I'm trying to think of how to verbalize this, but I think being able to offer a counterexample to the abusive powers of the world. Mm. Um, in In the Sabbath, we have something that is not about what you produce, but about your value that you deserve rest, right? That you deserve to reconnect. Um, the understanding of hell uh, is, for me, uh, so important because my heart is for other people. And that means that I'm not satisfied with the reward of heaven, the end. Mm. And I'm not satisfied with knowing that there are people out there that the person who saved me is torturing. Yeah. Um, so the ability to give this concept of God and the ability to live this life this way, where it it, it enables me to grow and become more other centered, um, I think that's that's really the where I draw so much energy from, is just that this I've seen it over and over is a a, a proven way to me to be better to the people around me, to contribute something to their health and their happiness. And if that continues to grow over the course of my life, that's all I can ask for. Mm. I mean, kind of going off of both of that, one of the things that gives me the most joy in this is when I can present an aspect, not the whole thing, but some aspect of our message, either through life or actually conversation with people, Especially, not just even within Christianity, especially, this is what really gives me life, is outside of a Christian context, and some discussion or something will come up, and to be able to present it and have people actually have a positive reaction to the thought of God. Yeah. I'm not saying they accepted anything, but there's such a joy in seeing someone sit there that's, you know, considers themselves agnostic or an atheist or, or some different faith, and they have a conversation with you, and they sit there and they go, hmm, I never thought of it that way. I kind of like how that sounds. Maybe nothing beyond that, but in a world where the moment you say the name God, it's negative. Yeah. I mean, our gut, even as Christians, you hear God and you, there, there's a, a recoiling. And the thing that gives me so much joy is to be able to say something or live something about God and have it be a positive response instead yeah. of a negative, that is so beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. And it really just energizes me. I'm like, oh, yeah. let's do more, let's do more, yeah. you know, because it, it's it's not what the, let's be honest, Christianity has been its own worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And and so there is something kind of subversive, kind of in an exciting way, maybe that's the millennial in me talking, but to, <laughs> to kind of, like he said, against the system, it's kind of like a rebelling, even against Christianity itself, to be able to share something, people go, it's kind of nice. And you're like, Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that countercultural you know, yeah. narrative that, yeah. that Adventism has in very many ways is something that does the same exact for me. So I think all of us resonate there. Um, to our listeners, uh, thank you so much for listening, first of all. And 
Uh, good question to ask yourself is what do you find beautiful about Adventism? What do you find beautiful about your faith community if you're not Adventist? And and maybe that's something to talk about this week with your friends and family. And maybe that's something to ask too if you don't know, if you're wondering, and, and maybe that's a journey you can have. Uh, Henry and Caleb, thank you guys so much for for sharing your own journeys and your own um, your own stories. And I've really enjoyed this episode. I've really enjoyed this conversation with you guys. And I appreciate you both as friends uh, and as colleagues in ministry. It's great to work alongside you. And you both fill me with a lot of hope for the church and um, and for Christianity and, and Seventh-day Adventism. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. You can uh, follow us on pretty much all social media, uh, but please leave a review, leave a comment, um, talk with us and let us know what you're thinking and what your responses are. Uh, we love to hear from you and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Echo and for being on this journey with us. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope that you'll leave a comment, subscribe, hit that like button. If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcasting app that you like the most, we hope that you'll hit that subscribe button, that you'll leave a review, and that you'll engage with us. And also for more content from Project Refresh that's like Echo and some of the other shows that we host, then head on over to theprojectrefresh.org. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us, and we'll see you next week. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University.